What's up, guys? Welcome to Faith and Failures. Today with me, I have Cruz Moa. Cruz Moa. It sounds like a wrestling name. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it like does. Cruz Moa. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not making fun of your name. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a pretty cool name. Right? I, I get that all the time. Do you? Yeah. You brag about it? Not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no. So don't forget that you can check us out at faithandfailures.com. You can check out every podcast episode we put out, as well as blogs when I feel like it. It was weekly, and then I was like, well, I don't have time to do it this weekly. <laughs> so it's like maybe once every three months. Right. If you're on Facebook, check us out at Faith and Failures. There is a fan page, and there is a group of right under 600 people. We talk about real topics. We address things. We ask questions. The whole point and the heartbeat of this hot, this podcast is to bring down the denominational divide and really search for truth together. Um, I feel that as Christians and in the church body, we build up a lot of walls between the people who believe just like us. So this podcast is just a platform for people to share their story, and that brings us to today's episode. Cruz and I, we share a lot of similarities in our background as far as um, when we both were far from God, and today... He's going to share his story, and uh, to give a little backstory, we worked together at the previous church that we were at, South Point in White House, Texas. So what all do you do there? Uh, Whatever South, they need. <laughs> well, pretty much I do anything they ask me to do, uh, mainly the sound booths. Mm -hmm. uh, here recently, the last summer, I started cutting the grass there, and then as I started my, my business with my, uh, I got a business mentor from the Hand Up Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been teaching me how to do all kinds of business stuff. And me and him got a, I opened up a business with his help. And it's uh, the, the physician, handyman, and lawn service. So every time Pastor needs a, uh, like something fixed in the church, Cruz, can you come fix this? Yes, sir. I need all the training I can get. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So pretty much everything. Cool. I, I go wherever I'm needed. So check that out. Now you're going to get all over Texas and America. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Let's and I do think it. some of Australia and Europe. What? That far? That's cool. Yeah. If you want to travel. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you. So, yeah. So, kind of tell your, um, I guess, as far back as you want to start and feel comfortable with, kind of when you were out doing what you were doing and uh, kind of the story where God had kind of met you where you are. Well, uh, I, I want to say my, my craziness started back in 2012. Uh, that, that's when I got my charge for evading arrest, but it started before that. I, I was working in the oil field on, on the oil rigs, and I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff to my body, like pretending I was Hercules because I wanted to make a name for myself. Yeah. And over a period of time, it just the pain just kept coming and coming, and I couldn't bear it anymore. So I'm like, let's go call somebody. I went to the doctor, and I didn't really know much about it, but all the stuff that, that I know now, I was creating a, a monster. He put me on hydrocodone and I was like, okay, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm numb. I don't feel anything. I can, yeah. I can do whatever I'm asked and I don't ask questions. I, I go get it. And if I start going down, then I just go take another one. Yeah. And all that started. And, um, I, I, little, little did I know I was creating a demon that would eventually take everything away from me. And I'm like, um, I started I started getting my my monthly prescription 120 and then plus I was going to the streets buying more because I was so addicted to them. Mm. I, I was I was always uh, always working in the oil field stuff like that and um at the time when you were doing all this did you know that it was getting worse or you were just you were just so hungry for I, it you didn't even think about I, it. I I knew it was getting worse but I was so I was so addicted I didn't yeah. even care. <laughs> I was so addicted. I was like, okay, I don't even care. I, I got a problem. And then as time went on, I'm like, okay, I got a problem here. And then I, I, I reached out and, and got, got help. And uh, they put me on a medicine to get off of them. And um, 
back in 2012, I, I was working on the old rig, and uh, I, I'd been talking to Brother Taylor, the pastor of the church that we that we went to, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say, "Hey, how, how do I get myself saved? Like, what do I what do I have to do?" He goes step by step. I want you to get up every morning, pray, read the Bible, and all throughout the day, if if you have any worries, just open the Bible and read it. So that's what I would do. Basically, the first thing you do in the morning, pray and read the Bible. The last thing you do at night, pray and read the Bible. Yeah. I, I did that for a week. On on my way to work, um, I was I was living in Tyler, which I am now, and uh, my job was in South Texas. And I was driving to work, and this song came on the radio. I was listening to Christian music, and it felt like a power was pushing my head down. And I just couldn't quit crying, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I don't know how I drove in a straight line, but I did. <laughs> And I, I get there to to the rig, and there's this guy there. I've never met him before. He said he came to to help us out, and I'm like, okay. And then I started talking to him more and more, and he was telling me stuff about my life. And I'm like, how do you know this, brother? And he said, um, uh, his exact words was, "God sent me here to save you." And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, as days went on, he just kept saying more stuff and more stuff. I'm like, how do you know this? And um. I was doing something on the, the mud pits, and I popped my head down. I was doing something. I popped back up. I'm like, man, I'm happy. Why am I so happy? My my driller came by, and a voice came from him uh, for, yes, you are saved, my son. And I started freaking out. I, I ran away and told everybody he was the <laughs> devil. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? And uh, I got in my car, and I, I left the rig. I'm like, okay, really? I just got in there, and I left. I just quit. I'm like, oh, I'm freaked out. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then I snapped out of it like, Cruz, what are you doing? I, I called my tool pusher and was like, hey, can I come back to work? And he's like, no, nah, I can't make that decision. But if you come back, we can call HR in the morning and go from there. Yeah. But lo and behold, they they accepted my my apology for doing that, doing what I did. But then did it, you tell them what happened? Oh, I didn't. I didn't really go into detail because <laughs> I didn't really. I didn't really know what to do. You didn't want to freak them out. I either. didn't want to freak them like, out no, either. No, you can't come back. You're crazy. <laughs> after, after I came back and uh, talked to the HR or whatever, they said it was okay to come back to work as long as he said okay. And I'm like, okay, well, then that same guy I was telling you about kept saying more and more and more stuff. So he was still there. He was still there, and I, I just kept getting freaked out. I got in my car, and I left the second time. And I'm like, no, um, uh, something's happened. I got in my car, and I, I didn't look back this time. But uh, I was in Victoria, and I was heading back to Tyler. There was this couple on the side of the road. Something, I passed them. Something told me, a voice I heard in my head, turn back around and go pick them up. And I'm like, okay, well, what's this? Well, I had to go two hours back the opposite way. And... Uh, the whole time this guy was in there talking to me, telling me I could have any amount of money I wanted. I could have, I could go anywhere in the world I wanted to. And that if I seen, if I seen something I didn't like, or basically what he told me is if I see any homosexuals to, to take them in the woods and kill them. And he said, he told me if, if I was to accept this, I got to sign, sign this contract. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, he was like, uh, if you don't want this, you have to tell me three times in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> And then um, after after I dropped him off, I, I didn't accept so, oh, anything. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All this is like from the way of you leaving the rig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was like. What's going on here? So I, I feel like I got a uh, after I, I I'm, I'm I'm gonna go back for a minute. While I was at the rig, and then a voice came from my driller saying, "For yes, you are saved, my son." The power that I felt inside of me was like. I could have picked that rig up and chunked it if I wanted to. I felt good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got scared of that, and I ran away from it. But then after I had the encounter with the people I picked up on the road, I, I, and I get home and I had time to think and clear my head, I'm like, I think I just ran away from God. And I'm like, okay, well, as, as soon as I get to uh, Tyler, 
uh, something just snapped inside of my head and I just put the pedal to the metal. I thought I was the ghost rider. <laughs> I, I, I was running through red lights, uh, running through stop signs, playing chicken with people. Uh, I had about 60 or 70 cars, probably in the ditch. That night, October 27, 2012, I was known as Tyler's or East Texas Rampage driver. Oh, wow. And uh, they, um, uh, about 10 cops got behind me. I, I made it from 31 all the way to, to Troop, pretty much, and I turned back around. Now, what was the reason you were riding like this? I just snapped. I thought I was the ghost rider. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. It, it freaked me out. I'm like, why am I doing it? then? Then as I kept going, I, I can't believe it took the cops that long to get me. But from, from 31 over by uh, the, the new Walmart now all the way to Troop, and then I came all the way back up 110 towards White House, and about 10 cops got behind me, and I just put the pedal to the metal and kept going. And I'm like, uh, about 10, 15 minutes later, I snapped like, Cruz, what are you doing? I look behind me, and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of cops. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but uh, the, the cops, they, uh, I stopped. The cops had their, their guns drawn on me and stuff yeah. like that, which that's, that's law. That's, that's the procedure. And um, they, they got me out of the car, handcuffed me, put me, in the, uh, put me in the back of the cop car. They searched my car. I wasn't drunk or anything. I didn't have no drugs, didn't have anything on me that I didn't, that I didn't, uh, or didn't have anything on me that I shouldn't have. And uh, they put me in the back of the cop car, and I was steadily talking crap to these cops. I'm like, man, I was, I don't know where my head was. But then uh, they, they put me back there, and then they took me to the downtown jail. The cop told me, he's like, hey, I wasn't going to take you to jail. I was just going to give you a ticket and let you go. But since you wouldn't, since you wouldn't leave me and my officers alone, I, I didn't want to leave you on the streets to harm others or harm yourself. So I, I put you in jail. And that 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 day right there, I, th- I think was the beginning of God getting a hold of me because I got put on eight years deferred uh, deferred probation, and I, I made it about five years. The the first time all that I, happened in one day. All that what happened in one day? Yeah, all this story was one day. Oh, that was like one <laughs> day. Crap. That was that was like one That's day. Like a year long worth of stories packed in one day. That That's was, crazy. That was like one day, and I just started freaking out. And then I get to jail. I had to sit. I sit in jail for for about a week, and then uh, I got bonded out. And then uh, my court date, they put me on eight years deferred probation, and uh, I, I still wasn't ready to to stop doing what I was doing. I, the way I see it, I was living a life of uh trying to trying to run away from God. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, they, they put me on that. I made it five years, and I, I violated because I was behind on, behind on everything. And then I, I failed a drug test because I wasn't ready to put it all down. Yeah. So that during that whole time, I was always finding ways to cheat, always finding ways to to do whatever. And then uh, I got reinstated, but the the terms to my my probation was the the original was eight. And then I, I sat in jail, all that stuff, and the, the judge told me. He's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you back out there, but I'm, I'm gonna make you come and see me or see the uh, probation officers once a week, and then he added two years to my eight years, which, which made that ten, and it started all over again. But I had to go see him once a week, and then uh, the, the, after he did all that, he goes, now if you come and see me again, I'm gonna max you out and give you ten years, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I can handle this, but I still wasn't ready to stop. Yeah. And uh, I violated the second time, and I'm I'm sitting in county jail. I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, okay, God, I'm finna get ten years. How am I gonna spend ten years in prison? Now, what'd you get? What'd you get the second time for? The second time for was I I failed, a, failed drug, a drug test. I, I failed a drug test. Was it for the the pills? It was for actually uh, the medication I was taking was a, a a medication called methadone, which was yeah I've heard of that, which was the pill to get me off of the pain pills, which I still wasn't ready to quit. And uh, the second time I violated, I'm sitting in county jail, like sweating, like what's finna happen? 
and my uh my, my lawyer came up to me and I gave I, my family paid him twenty five hundred dollars and come to find out he's friends with the uh, district attorney. He's like, I'm I'm going to try to get you two years, but since the uh, judge told you that he was going to max you out and give you ten years, I'm not sure if he's going to accept it. I'm sitting here praying, God, please. And then um uh as soon as our court date happened or whatever, judge accepted. And I, I spent two years in prison during the whole time of prison. I was like trying to trying to do right. And the way I see it, that right there was, was God's way of saying, hey, Cruz, do you, you want to wake up and be good and, and live live free? Or do you want to spend your life here because you want to be a knucklehead? <laughs> and I'm just like, OK, God, I, I see what you're doing here. So the, the whole time I was in prison, it, it wasn't really physically hard just mentally and emotionally the hardest yeah. thing i've ever had to do it's like somebody was constantly stabbing me in the heart because i see my family all the time they write me letters yeah. but i couldn't leave with them and um uh that, that that's that's what i said the whole time that was going on i was like okay god I, I, I see what you're doing here so the way i see it god was showing me that if, if i'm going to be a bad person this is where i'm going to be or if, if you want to be good and, and accept my correction and move forward then you, you'll be back out on the streets and now to now until this day, I, I thank God for, for allowing me to go to prison. I don't believe God sent me to prison. I believe I sent myself. Right. But I, I thank God for that because it, it really saved my life. And uh, yeah, that, that was that story. But after, after getting uh, during the whole time in there, I was talking to all kinds of people and they they were telling me that uh, uh, that it was hard to to get right on, on the outside because the, the the world puts an X on you. So. Uh, as, as soon as I got out, I, I heard all these stories, and uh, I jumped out and went to EMT school. And I, I really worked my butt off, and I tried everything. I didn't try everything. I, I actually did it. I succeeded and graduated. And uh, now I've, I finally realize of, of why when somebody gets out of prison, they can't succeed. is because the, the world tells them no. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if, if if I wouldn't have had all my family and support and the, and the church and all that good stuff, I, I would be right back in there. So I thank God for all of this. <laughs> so did you finish ETM school? I, I finished ETMT, uh, EMT, uh, EMT school, but I, I couldn't do anything with it because they, they want it to be five years from the uh, date of conviction. So I, I got okay. out. I got convicted of it January, no, March 2017. So five years from that, March 2022. So I can't do anything with it until March 22. Or basically, I got to do everything all over again. But if, if, if only it, one more year, bro, only, only, only one, one more year. year. But if, if it wasn't for the, the support system, family, friends and yeah. uh, church and like that, I'm pretty sure I'd be right back in the streets. And no, I, I can't do all that. I've, I've I learned a, a valuable lesson of, like, hey, it's time to it's time to get right. You're, you're 30 years old. It's time to do what you need to do. You got two kids. I got twins. Yeah. And I'm like, and <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> they, they, they already lost their, their mother in a, in a car accident. So I don't want to I'm the only parent left. So if, if I don't. I really don't have a choice but to act right, or they're they're going to lose me too, and I don't think that's fair to them. So it's time to man up and do what I need to do. One of my biggest motivations when I was, you know, doing meth and living on the streets. Once I started, when I decided that this has got to change, I've got to change. I've got to start doing different, or I'm going to keep getting the same result. Uh, that's the only way to the make definition it. Make of it, insanity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, same thing over and over yeah. again. I'm like, oh, why is this happening, God? What are you doing? It wasn't God. It was me. It was me. Yep. And he was my biggest motivation because. I didn't want to lose my son, uh, and I I had already several times lost myself, and it, and God showed me that you know if you trust in me, I can bring you back to everything that you knew and loved, and I can multiply it. Amen. To, to that. someone who is like me, that is so undeserving of anything that I have, He said, "I will take what you have, and I will multiply it beyond what you ever can dream and think." That is God is good. That is stupid. Like, in, in human mind, like you said, they put an X on why, you. Why would he do that? That right? does not make any sense. Right? 
Like, why doesn't God put an X on us? Everybody talks about, well, if God was real and God did this, what's with all the cancer and the blah, 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 blah. You know, then I'm like, listen, I'm a, I'm a testament of God being good and God being gracious and God being faithful and merciful. And his goodness, it, it exceeds beyond anything I ever could have dreamed in my life, through my wife, through my child, through my home, through my jobs. God has blessed me with passions and convictions that, you know, we're ministers over there at that church now, over a congregation bigger than anything I've ever been a part of. We didn't do that. God, God did that. No other explanation but God. <laughs> I lifted God up and God said, because you're lifting and honoring me, I will lift you up. That is good. You got one more year, bro. I got one more year, and then again, I'm not. I'm not even sure if that's what what God wants me to pursue. After that happened, I'm like, I was, I was really heartbroken because I really worked my butt off. I finally succeeded at something. I've yeah. never, never done that before because I chose to to live a life of just whatever, doing what I wanted. But then I yeah. finally started praying, God, what do you want for me? And then I thought that's what he wanted because everything just fell into place. But as I got to the end, time to take my uh, test to get my license and certifications and stuff like that. No, you still can't do it. You still got to wait five years. I'm like, okay. Well, then that's when I said, if, if it wasn't for the support system, then I, I'd, I'd be back in the probably back in prison or back on the streets again. And a, after all that, I've, I've still still been working, but I've been praying hard. And I, after all that's done happened, now I'm, I'm I'm working in the church. Uh, I'm I'm trying to go to to cams. Cams is is coming up in September. I'm I'm going to yeah. enroll in that. And and during the whole snow apocalypse, I'm like, God, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you want me to do with my life? And I, I was sitting there watching Pure Flicks, all the Christian movies. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, uh, the, the one that I liked the most is called Do You Believe? And it, it was a, a story about a bunch of people that, that made bad decisions, being in the streets, doing drugs, stealing money, stuff like that. And uh, these people from the streets pulled pulled guns on the pastor and stuff like that. And he goes, are, are you ready to die? Do you believe? And I'm like, okay, well, God, are, are you trying to tell me something here? And it, it made me think, like, if somebody was to point a gun to me, am I truly ready to go to heaven? And I'm like, ever since after that, I kept watching movies and movies. God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I, I, I believe firmly in my heart that I got to answer that God wants me to be a youth minister. To, to The way I see it, somebody my age is not really going to listen to me. Somebody older than me think they probably know it all. So the, the ones that I can reach the most to try to help them not make the same mistakes I did is the youth. Get so them while they're young and teach them and get train them, them Get them while they're young and train them. So stuff. you mentioned earlier uh, support system. So who are some of the, you don't have to name names, but like in this time of where you, I mean, when I was in jail, when you were in prison and you were in jail, you probably felt like a failure. Like you just screwed up. Bad. Like, but who, my family who, who never is, left me. Your family. My family, my mom, my dad, my sister, they're like, man, th- this, this is good for you. You're, you're seeing, you're paying your, your debt to society. You're not dragging it out no more. Plus, you're also getting an eye-open experience, pretty much letting you know what's going to happen if you still want to be bad or you want to be free. Like, the devil's here. God is here. I think you should choose God. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like... You should stop being stupid. <laughs> you should stop being stupid. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, if, if it wasn't for them, that they put money on my books every two weeks. Yeah. They they took care of my, my kids for me because I couldn't take care of them. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I really thank God that he, he gave me a family like like them right there because I don't, I don't know where I would be without them. And see, my, my family, it was, it was a double-edged sword. It was sharp on both sides. So I had my dad that kicked me out of the house because I was, you know, he didn't know what I was on, but he knew something was wrong. And because I was out on the streets, I had to stay in my car, you know, hotels when I could afford it, going and getting drugs. And then that's how I got arrested. So he kicking me out. And then when I got out, he accepted me back in. He put money on my books, you know, and it was that tough love 
but acceptance from I, the same man. I know what you mean. That I needed, like, because I'm a slow learner. I need to learn the hard way. That's me too. Because if I don't learn that way, I may go back. Like, I feel that we, uh, in a society and a culture of accepting anything and everything now, that nothing is wrong. You can just, unless you're a Christian, then you're wrong. But if you have Christian beliefs, you believe in Jesus and that, that there should be a standard, then you're wrong. But everything else is fine. Uh, we live in a time where we don't want to be held accountable for what we do. And accountability is so important. If you didn't have your family there saying, we're going to help you, but you need to start acting right and quit being stupid. And if my dad didn't say, listen, I love you. You can come back home if you want, but you got to stop. Like, I remember like I was weed eating and I could, I was getting so stinking mad at the weed eater because it wouldn't start, (laughs) but I was drying out too. Mm. I was just out of jail and my dad said, you can come on back home. And I remember being finally sober in jail after you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, and just like crying to my dad and saying, I'm so sorry, because I finally had like sober eyes again. Mm. I hadn't seen anything through sober eyes, and I don't even remember when, whether it was alcohol, cocaine, meth, whatever. Like I have been medicating all of my pain where I didn't have to face it and deal with it. Mm. And like you, you literally were medicating, like literally medicating altering, your altering the, I was pretty much uh, altering the way I feel because I didn't want to deal with, with reality. And I was just pretty much being stupid, covering up a problem with a problem when really I just should have dealt with it and, and moved on. But I chose to do drugs. And, I'm like, wow. And the support system that I had, like I said, was my dad. Uh, my mom, she was up in Arkansas. Not that she didn't love me, but I I put a huge wedge between her and my dad. I know I did. They say don't blame myself, but I know it was my fault. Uh, a big part of my fault. It may have it may have exposed what was already there, but I was the problem. I was sh- her favorite, so she would take my side, and he would call me a bum for not being out and working. <laughs> but I'd be doing drugs all the time. You can't pass a t- p test. You can't get hired on. Mm-mm. And uh, so that whole like when I was getting mad at that weed eater. I started like crying, like I was drying out. So it's like, it's so stupid. I'm a man, you know, I'm getting mad at a weed here and I start crying like a little kid. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And I go back and I, I, I'm, and my dad is freshly hurt from, you know, my, the separation from my mom and stuff. It was fresh on him too. And I remember going back to my room and I'm laying over my bed, like on my knees, just like at the edge. And I'm like, God, what is wrong with me? Cause I, I hadn't been sober in so long that, uh, I didn't have to, that that was my first problem I had to deal with sober was a weed eater, not not working right. right. And so it just broke my world apart because <laughs> it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. And I remember laying on my bed, and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my back. And it was my dad, and he was bawling too because he was in pain. I was in pain, and we were in pain together, and we supported each other. And his weakness fueled my strength because he was weak and vulnerable with me. And it was, it was a time of breaking, but just like the body, how it breaks and it heals stronger than it was before. Builds itself up. This, this time for me was a time of serious breaking and drying out. But my father and I's relationship, that support system now in his time of need I'm the minister that supports him. Mm, that's good. And it, it 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 feeds support feeds support. Uplifting feeds uplifting. You know, speaking life in return produces more life. 
I've been seeing that firsthand now. Yeah. I was like, I've, I've been started, uh, been started. I, I started doing a, a lot of stuff, like been doing a, a lot of work here, a lot of work there, a lot of giving here, a lot of helping people. And the, the, the way I see it, just do the, the, the next right thing and you ain't got nothing to worry about. Just do what honors God and, and, and put God in it. Cause for the longest time, my whole life, everything was good. After, like, it's, it, every time I was doing right, like, Praying, reading the Bible, going to church, everything was good. But as soon as I stopped, it's like that's when my life went downhill. And the the way I see it, what I was doing now, now that I look back, the only time I needed God is when I is when I had a problem. And when He fixed it, I'm like, okay, God, thank you, bye. I'm going back on my own again. Yeah. And and now I'm I'm trying to learn. I'm not trying to learn. I'm actually doing it. Is is worshiping God through the good and through the bad because yeah. he, He's He's the one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I can't say, but but God did all this, so I, I don't want to live another day without God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I, I don't want to forfeit me sending myself to hell and stuff like that. So, okay, God, do whatever you want with me. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what it is. Have your way. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how I think now. Let's say you said youth ministry. You feel God's tugging you in that way to influence and bring up disciples. And, and really, I mean, we are in positions to be someone else's support system because— I mean, the statistics today of divorce and someone not being there, not having a father present and stuff like that's a heavy burden for us and a responsibility that we can be that person to someone because there's so many out there that don't have that. If there's someone listening who is younger or older, it doesn't matter. Drug addiction knows no age. Um, and maybe they feel like that they're at the end of their rope or somehow maybe they're listening to this and they're in jail right now. Or they're in prison. Um, and what can you say to them? Because you and I both have felt that worthlessness, that we don't have value, that we have no. I, I felt like I have, and I still struggle with this. Being a minister, I, I feel like I don't have value sometimes because I, I don't feel that I am worthy of the call. I don't feel that what God has get, what God has given me, I deserve. Speak to that. Speak to that. What I what I can say to that is is what I've been thinking for for a while. Like no matter what age you are, young or or, or uh, old or whatever, um, put your pride down. Like don't let your pride get in the way. There's lots of help out there, and you don't have to do this alone. Just just put your pride down and go out there. It, it doesn't make you less of a person because you reach out and get help. And the other thing I can say is, is pray and, and put God first, read your Bible, go to church, and you'll be amazed about what it could do to your life and being surrounded by like-minded people. Because if you're going to go and, and surround your, yourself by uh, by like drug addicts, or listen, we're talking about drugs, then that's pretty much what you're going to be. And and uh, the, the way I've learned growing up, Mama always told me, if, if, if you're going to play with dogs, you're, you're going to get fleas. So be be careful who you <laughs> surround yourself by. Yeah. And p- basically, the, the main thing is just keep God first. Yeah, I've been telling Tristan that because he's getting to the age where he's very influenced by, you know, especially somebody with older siblings that know more things sexually and things like that. And they're, you know, they're little boys. They're going to talk. They're going to giggle and stuff they don't even understand. And so I've been telling him, I said, man, who you surround yourself with is who you're going to become. Amen to that. Who you put yourself in the company of is going to be your future. And I said, and those people will probably not be there when you're old and, you know, married, having kids of your own. Those people that you're allowing to form you now are not going, you are a leader. You need to, and, and everyone, whether you're at home listening to this or you're a minister, you, you know, your your job or whatever, you can lead up and you can lead down. Whether you're a manager, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a guy who's working in the sound booth and just serving, 
servants are leaders. Jesus proved that, that the greatest servant can be the greatest leaders. Leaders are not born. Leaders are chosen. They are made from the ground up. The best leaders are the ones who had the most resistance. The best leaders are the ones who started with nothing. The uh, I listen to Dave Ramsey a lot, the his podcast, and the millionaires that that I think eighty five to ninety, maybe ninety five percent of them started with nothing. Nothing. But they know the value of a dollar bill because they had to work for it. You need to know the value of your salvation and your heart and your mind and capturing your thoughts before they escape you. I struggle with that, man. Sometimes my past will come back in thoughts and things that I did. And I t- I'm open with my wife about this. Thank God for a woman who doesn't get mad and jealous at, at the past me. Mm-hmm. Or we'd be fighting all the time. She is like, she is exactly who God knew that I needed in my life. Let me give you an example. We were at the mall. She knows, like men are visual. I'm very open with this. I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. I hate that I look like I'm telling you, we were at the mall. We pulled up. This was like our first year of marriage, which usually things are pretty raw. Like you're still learning each Mm -hmm. other. You know, you get a little jealous here, you know, all this, you know, you kind of, everything's still new and you're, no one's perfect, but you're, you know, it's, it's, it can be very confusing, but we pull up into the mall and she pats me. I was driving. She pats me on the shoulder. She was like, I'm sorry, baby. I'm like, what are you talking about? What did I do? <laughs> and she's like, that girl's butt's hanging out of her shorts over there. She apologized to me for a woman dressing like a skank. What? Can I say skank? Sorry. <laughs> like she apologized to me because she knows my struggle. She is my support system. She's, she's helping you. She is there for me to be a shoulder to cry on. Like I've cried in her arms before because of my struggle with pornography. Like that's something real we don't talk about in the church anymore. Like we want to pretend like everything's good, everything's okay, but yet we have these secret struggles and that is the devil trying to steal us of our support system. And we allow it to be stolen cheerfully because we don't want anybody to know what we're really struggling with. I believe it. I struggle with pornography. Everyone listening, I struggle (laughs) with pornography. But I do, like uh, men are very visual. Right. Women, it takes them a while. That's why women end up cheating with men who take interest in what they like. They get to know them better. Men, they can just see it and probably fall in love. <laughs> We're very shallow. But like th- these types of things, like we allow the devil to steal from us when the Bible specifically says to confess one another, one to another, because we find our strength when we talk to someone else about what we're dealing with. My favorite verse, James five sixteen. what you're talking about. Oh, I love that like, verse. We have to have that support. Like in 2020, the devil tried to rob us of having support systems. Like, stupid. I'm I'm with you, Uncle. But like Rona tried to take everything. Aunt Rona. (laughs) Aunt Rona tried, like, seriously, we have people at our church right now and, and probably at South Point too that still have not come back. Because they're scared. Because they're scared or they're finding an excuse now to not come back because, oh, well, COVID. COVID's still that, here. That right there was the, the biggest concern of mine. Like, if you're a, a Christian believer, then it, it says in the Bible, 2 Timothy 1 7, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And if, if you know that being a Christian, then why are you going to put your life on hold? If God wants you to get COVID, you're going to get it. If because, God wants you to die, you're going to die. Because people have not been walking around with a sound mind. I'm just like, what's going they're on believing here? You anything that's, God, that's it. Anything that pops up on the news feed, they're eating it up. Mm. I had somebody at my church talk about some political thing, and they, they said, well, this guy ain't doing this. And 
I, I held my tongue. I don't know if I should have. I prayed about it afterwards. But I, at the moment, you know, you it's better not to speak than to speak about it in case you mess up. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I could have took him to a YouTube video that showed what he said the guy didn't do, that he did do over and over and over again, that the mainstream media cut out to paint a bad picture of a certain political guy. Mm, control. Because <laughs> that, that, and that's taking away truth. We're being robbed of truth and support and all these things that the Bible says that we have to have to be successful in our spiritual walk and be successful in our finances, uh, in relationships. Like we have to have that open communication with each other to be able to rely on one another so that we can have that support. And sometimes it is a two-edged sword. We have to be able to be vulnerable to each other so that I can say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And you can say, hey, you're being an idiot. And I can accept that. All right. Because I, I I give that to you. True friendship. Yeah, like it, it's something that we should be be open to because that's the way the Bible plans it out. That's just the way that it is. And so uh, someone who feels like they don't have a support system, like what advice would you have for them someone right now? that doesn't feel like they have a support system, mm, I would say reach out to your local church and, and yeah. go go get help. There's someone, like, the, the way our church works, the pastors say it's an open-door policy. It says, come as you are. It doesn't matter if you're addicted to drugs, pornography, or whatever, alcohol. It doesn't matter. Just come in there and, and get the help. That's what I said earlier about putting your pride down. It, it doesn't make you less of a person to get help. So to somebody that doesn't have a support system, reach out to your, your local church or go to uh, any of the, the 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 town you live in, go to any of these like support places. Like Path is is one in Tyler, the Salvation Army. They offer all kinds of help or yeah. uh, drug counseling, AA meetings. Reach out to somebody that's been there and done that. And I just want them to know that uh, the stuff they're going through now, people before have gone through it also. So they're 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 not alone. Even though the devil makes them feel, I guess you could say, isolated. They're they're yeah. not isolated. There's plenty of help out there you just got to go get it that's one of the greatest tools of the enemy right there isolation and, and, and of the mind is to feel like you're isolated no one cares you're alone mm. and to everyone who is watching on youtube or listening that is a lie there is someone who cares first of all god cares he sent his son to die for you and second the help is not hard to find it's a pride thing it's a pride yeah. it's always pride mm-hmm. it's always pride even if you're like oh i just don't have anybody maybe you don't but you always do because I have, I have heard. My dad was a preacher my entire life. I had heard, I have heard story after story after story after story of uh, my grandfather, my dad's father. He got saved out in the middle of a cornfield by himself. Sometimes you have to call out to God on your own by yourself. He's he'll always come. Anybody that calls on the name of the Just Lord the shall be saved. Just the name. <laughs> Amen. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter if you if you are listening to this right now. God takes you like that. If you call in the name of the Lord, you are saved. Amen. You are saved. I've you seen I've seen people making it more complicated than it has to be. Like I guess because they're thinking it's it's too much work, but it's really not. <laughs> the, the accepting Christ and salvation is so simple and easy. Now the walk after can get complicated right, and difficult. Right. But th- we're all in the same boat. Nobody is above the other. No matter if it's a, a mega church pastor or if it's somebody who's taking up the offering at the small local church. Everyone is the same. We all have sinned. We all have messed up, but we all have to have that support system. And I feel just like looking back at 2020, like that was one of the things that the devil tried to rob us of is our support system. We stopped having church. My dad has been alive for, he's up in his 60s now. He's like, I have never seen anything like this. The government telling people to stop. Now, I understand that there's precautions and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it's not a real thing. It's a real thing. People have died from it. 
But my life, my family's life, my son's life, my my wife's life, all of our belongings, who we are, is God's. So if he chooses to end it, he cho- I will go out in a blaze of glory, preaching the word of God and declaring his majesty and glory in his name, no matter what that looks like, whether it's a YouTube video, a podcast, whatever. I got to do my part. To do that, I got to lay down my pride and I got to accept that calling. And I am so happy. Actually, your pastor already talked to me about you going through cams. Oh, yeah, he did? Yeah, I was like, that's what I'm talking I, I, about. I, I, can't, I can't wait. Oh, I, I really can't wait. At first, I was nervous because back, back when I was, I was going to do it, I, I had just found a, a, a mentor. So speaking about more help here, there, there's this organization in Tyler called the Hand Up Network. They're, they don't give you a handout, but instead they give you a hand up and like, hey, I'm not going to do it for you. I'm just going to be there guiding you. And ever since I did the EMT program, I'm like, God. I need your help here. I'm I'm going through some things and I got all this energy and willpower. Where do you want me to put it? Please send me somebody to show me because I chose a life of drugs and alcohol, money, sex, all that good stuff. And I didn't really pay attention to what really matters. Like, God, send me somebody in my life that's going to show me what to do and help me fix my life. And ever since I've been going to this hand up network, it's been it's been amazing. I'm saving money now. I got a bank account. I got a I got a checkbook. I don't have a debit card no more because I go out there and swipe it everywhere yeah, I easy. go. Yeah. Uh, I got me a side business started up. Uh, I'm actually doing pretty good by myself. And without God, I wouldn't be. I don't like, oh, thank you, God. I wouldn't be anywhere. It's just like, wow. Because you found the right support system. I found the right support systems. I say again, the help is out there. Yeah, it is. You just gotta you gotta look. You just gotta open your eyes and be uh be willing to accept it for the way it looks because it doesn't always look the way you think it will. And then but back to the uh CAMS deal, uh I, I, I was I started both of these. I was preparing for the CAMS and then I was doing the the hand up network at the same time and I was getting really overwhelmed because it was taking a lot. I'm I'm doing a full time job. I'm going to my, my weekly mentor meetings. I'm coming to church all the time. Anytime the doors are open to get all this practice. And I'm like, Pastor, I'm, I'm sorry, but something, something's got to give here. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think I just need to put the cams on hold for a minute. That way I can get, get my life in order. And uh, that's probably one of the, the best decisions I made because I wasn't, I wasn't right in this area. And I, the way I believe God's not going to, he's not going to hand it to you on a silver platter. No, if you no. want something, then, then God's going to, uh, he wants you to go get it and he's either going to bless it or he's going to deny it. And uh, after all that, I put it on hold, and um, I'm finally getting all this over here taken care of. And then September uh, this year is when I'm going to get enrolled in CAMS, and uh, I firmly believe that it's going to be youth ministry. So I'm I'm going to go strong that way. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so it and uh, with life, it's all a process, and sometimes you gotta like okay. I need to just calm down because I'm one of those people. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do everything. ADHD you know? and is I'll be, a killer. <laughs> I'll be like juggling like crazy. And, and Dave Ramsey talks about this. He said, do a few things with excellence instead of trying to do a bunch of things. Okay. 10%. Or what is that? The little analogy of uh, doing five different things and putting 20% in each of them. Just focus on one and put a hundred and, yeah. and keep knocking them down, going to the next. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. <clears throat> Ever since I've been doing that right there and like really focusing, I've been been knocking things down. I, I got work lined up for the, the next three weekends and I'm just like, okay, God, you're good. That's awesome. <laughs> God has been good my whole life and I, I just didn't give him enough credit. You know what I mean? God's had his hand on my life my whole life pretty much there's times i would drive back drive back drunk from strip clubs and bars yeah. and stuff like that and like wake up the next day how did i make it home mm-hmm. now now that i look back okay god thank you i know that was you now yeah <laughs> i'm like what well, god was saving me for something everybody I, I believe everybody has a calling on their life oh yeah absolutely and it, god <laughs> that's all i can say is god <laughs> yeah he's amazing right. well man i i appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your this, story and 
this has been pretty awesome. I didn't think I could really do this, but it actually <laughs> actually feels good to, to share my story. Didn't it? hopefully I can help others and and to to pretty much give them hope that it's not over until God says it's over. That's right. I like that. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> Well, don't forget, you can check out faithandfailures.com. We have every podcast episode as well as our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. Click the little like button and put that bell notification on so you can see every time we put out a new episode. Thank you all for joining today. Don't forget to check below for sponsors. Any link will help out the channel. And we appreciate it, and we'll see you all next time.